This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Eric Isle. He is a human-centrist keynote speaker, author, and business philosopher. Eric, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Thanks so much, Nick. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So I ask every single guest at the very beginning is what's one thing people might not know about you? Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things people don't know about me, but but I'll say for the purpose of this podcast, I'll say that in addition to all those things you said in that lovely introduction, uh, that I'm also a professional DJ and a playwright. So I got to ask, what do you have like a a, a DJ DJ name, like DJ <laughs> Easy E, something like that? I do have a DJ name. I actually have a whole DJ persona, and I actually have two of them. Uh, okay. One one plays just '80s hits, and that's DJ Parachute Pants. Um, and <laughs> the other one mostly plays mashups, and he's called DJ Savior Breath. Savior Breath, because it's mm-hmm. mashups. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, but I, I dress like it. the Pope. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Wow, that is yeah. That's that's quite quite intense. Uh, and and I need to see images of this here moving forward. Um, I, my guess or my recommendation is from here on out, you do every single podcast episode in that outfit. Um, you would get, uh, it'd be, it'd be totally amazing. Um, I'll take that under advisement. Thanks for the suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're like, yeah, not going to happen. Nick. Um, so let's talk about, we got a lot of things in common and there's a ton of things that we can riff on. But the first thing I want to kind of start off of is, uh, what is the perception of the contact center today? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And, and, and I'll just, I'll just, preface this by saying, you know, I'm not an expert in contact centers. I, haven't, I don't manage contact centers, but I do work with them a lot. Um, and I would say that the, you know, the, the perception of contact centers hasn't changed much. It's a cost center. Um, and when it's a cost center, efficiency is everything. So it becomes this sort of Frederick Taylor scientific management just dream. Um, and I think, you know, it becomes a that creates a culture. And I, just to be clear, when I say culture, I don't mean like, you know, foosball tables and casual Fridays and whatever. I mean, what people believe is expected of them gets affected by the way that that workplace looks. And so we get, so we develop these beliefs about what's expected of us through what we learn and experience over time in the workplace. And, uh, and in the contact center, I feel like we've, we've come to believe that metrics are more important than people. Um, and uh, and that costs are more important than connections with people and that transactions are more important than actual relationships. And so when we get there, I think, you know, we no matter who we are, whether we're senior management or supervisors or contact center agents, we we that creates really consistent behavior, but not necessarily productive and constructive behavior. Yeah, it's so interesting that that the metrics around what these people are measured on they focus on that because that's what they're bonused on. Yep. Um, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that solution or with that option? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think what it it misses the ways in which contact center agents add value 
through the interactions they have with customers. And I think that that is a, that is a huge point that's missed. You know, uh, I always like um, Jan Carlson. He was the CEO of SAS Airlines, and he wrote the book Moments of Truth. And he said about SAS, he said, SAS is created 50 million times a year, 15 seconds at a time. It's in these little interactions between customers and the, the people who are representing it. And so, um, you know, I think that, that that we miss the fact that we are in, it's not a knowledge economy, it's an interaction economy. Like the interactions between humans are where value gets created. And so uh, I think we need this shift from just talking about, you know, contact centers, you know, the, the, the I think the correction has been, well, we need to be customer centric, right? Customer centricity is the answer. And I don't think we can do that. I think we've seen that you can do that and not be human centric. Um, and so, uh, so we don't want to have this myopic and monomaniacal focus that dehumanizes everybody, including the customer, uh, in the process. And I think if we can, if we can shift it to a more human centric lens, then we have work that's more meaningful. We have work that's more fulfilling. Um, we have better outcomes. And I think that goes well beyond the walls of the workplace. Um, I think that bleeds out into society as a whole. Yeah. You know, when it comes to that contact center specifically, as a consumer, as a customer, and when I interact with a contact center, I have, or not just me, but other people have one bad interaction, one bad micro moment. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know Mm -hmm. what? Is there something else out there? Is there somebody that I maybe have to pay a little bit more, right? but will I have this better experience? Yep. And so it's, it is focused on the customer lifetime value. And I think that is important for that long-term strategy, but it is those micro moments, those consistently over time where you're adding and building trust or, or failing to deliver it. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's beautifully said. And I, and I think, I think what you've hit on is something that, you know, I think about constantly, which is, which is you can have this is a gross oversimplification, but you can have two kinds of relationships between a customer and a, and a representative of a company. And that is transactional relationship or a transformational relationship. And I think when it's transactional, we, we know it, like we feel it, whether we're, whether we're in the, in the seat with the headset on or whether, the, whether we're the customer, we feel that transactional element of it. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. It, it, it's almost, it's that icky feeling like, oh exactly. man, I'm just another number. My name is not Eric today. It is four, five, six, seven. Absolutely. Uh, and that yeah. is, is, it feels pretty crappy. So let's go on the other side of the contact center, which yeah. is the employee, because everybody's talking about the great recession, right? And uh, our resignation is, yep. and so the contact center is is not by itself saying, oh yeah, we're, we're doing awesome. It's actually really hard to hire and retain that talent. Yeah. Uh, why is that the challenge today? <laughs> I mean, in addition to everything that we've discussed, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, it's a really freaking hard job, um, you know, and it's, and especially given that, that focus on metrics over moments, I think you get this chain to the desk relentlessness, right? Like, is like, there's, there's, there's rarely a sense of accomplishment. It's, it's as soon as I've wrapped up that call, the next one's in my ear. Right. And, uh, so, so you don't get that, that chance to sort of breathe. Um, and in addition to that, something I've been thinking about a lot is, is the concept of emotional labor, right? That we're, we're asking folks to, to manage their emotions in that job as part of the economic exchange of, of, of earning their paycheck. And that's exhausting. And 
sort of exploitative and, and, and just, and just hard to sustain, you know, with, if you don't, if you don't recognize the fact that you're asking that of people every day. And then I, I would say, I just add on to that, just to add, uh, insults to, to complexity, um, is, uh, you know, I think so often in the contact center, uh, when something goes wrong with a customer, individuals get blamed, uh, when it's usually systemic. Um, and so, and so, you know, this is where like, you know, we talk for forever about average handle time as a metric in a contact center, right? But, um, but I think, you know, when handle time is long, it's usually because something's wrong systemically, not something's wrong with an, with an agent or that interaction. Yeah, but who gets blamed? The, the agent every time. Yep. Every time. And so that's one thing I always, if I'm going to speak or if I'm talking to uh, a company, I'm like, even even family and friends, I'm like, don't blame the person on the other side of that interaction. It's not their fault. Like, have yeah. empathy for them as long as, and, and along with it, and I want to talk about empathy in a minute, but yeah. they should also have empathy for you because you are bringing your whole self mm-hmm. to that issue. But so are they. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I, and I love that because I think, I think what we don't appreciate enough is that every element, every human interaction has some element of risk, right? There, there, there's a, there, we're, we're both putting ourselves out there, right? Um, and, and so to acknowledge that, you know, I had this experience uh, last weekend. I was, I was in a local liquor store. Turns out I drink alcohol. And um, uh, I, was, I was, you know, getting some stuff. We had some stuff that my wife and I had already put in like our own shopping bags. And we had it in the cart. And the the checker just kind of pulled that bag out and put it aside. And I was concerned because we had stuff in there that we needed to pay for. Right. So I I was like, oh, you know, he, he thinks that's just like a bag we left in there. So I pulled the bottles out and put them in the I did say bottles, plural. We're, we may have a problem. Um, uh, <laughs> put them in the cart. And uh, and he looked at me and he said, you could have just left them where they were. And, you know, of course, as a as a human, my initial reaction was. You coming at me like. You know, yeah, and, are these fighting words? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But then, you know, we, you know, as uh, as as we've all learned, we have the the choice to choose our response to things. And I paused and I was like, "Wow, wow, he must be not having a great day. I don't know what it's like to work here. I'm gonna let that go." <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, just let it. Go. And it's it's easy to say when you're not in the moment. Yes. It's easy to say I'm going to let that go, and I'm not yeah. going to let my response be predicated on how he just interacted with me. Right. But sometimes with, when emotion comes into that, uh, you in same with in, inside the contact center, you can tend to let your emotions get the best of you because you're frustrated because of the last six hours you spent on the issue, Absolutely. not necessarily the person in that specific interaction. 100%. So good, good on you for uh, holding back the reins a little bit of wrath uh, to the person at the checkout. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I think I will say this, you know, I think all of this, all of this that we're talking about today, I am, I'm also trying to think about the world I want to live in, you know, and, uh, and I feel like, um, as customers, we have a role in getting and having a good customer experience. Um, we yeah. have a role to play. And if we, and if we, and if we dehumanize the person on the other end of that phone call as just somebody to, or the other side of that cashier, cashier's desk, um, you know, that's not the world I want to live in. I want to live in a world where we can, you know, look out for each other and take care of each other. Yeah, totally agree. So there is, you touched on culture, you talked, uh, touched on jeans on Friday. It's the kegerator in the corner. It's right. Like a tie dyes Wednesday, whatever that is. But (laughs) yeah, 
what else, how else can companies retain their talent? Yeah, I think this is, I think this is where we, where I feel like a mindset shift is needed. Um, and I, I think, you know, the, the, the way that we think about employee engagement, the way that we think about workplace culture has to shift. And I think, and I think that the shift that I'm looking at is, is let's not look at this as something that we can do to people. Um, you can't motivate people. You can't retain people. You can't engage people. But what you can do is you can, you can create the conditions in which that's more likely to happen. And so I look at it as the, as the difference between being a carpenter and being a gardener. And I, I steal that from a book called The Gardener and the Carpenter, which is a parenting book. But, uh, but the idea being that, you know, a, car a carpenter just thinks they need the right materials, the right plan, the skills, they go build the thing, right? You don't, you don't build a culture. What you do is you do some, you have some disciplines that you do that create the conditions in which flowers grow or cucumbers or whatever, but you're not going to actually know that I'm going to grow six cucumbers over there or, you know, seven sunflowers. Um, so, so I look at it as these, as these key disciplines. So, you know, if you're a gardener, it's, you know, you're planting, you're feeding, you're watering, you're weeding. I'm not an expert gardener, but those are the things, right? And so for, so for workplace culture, I say there's six things. Um, and this is not a, this is not a magic solution, but it's it's six disciplines that we can practice. And the first one, uh, they all start with E, so they're easy to remember. So the first one is empathize. And that's really about listening and understanding what folks are going through. Um, and, you know, I, I, I deal with this all the time with, with contact center managers who are like, how do we get people to be more productive? And my first question is, do you know what they need to be successful? And do you know what's getting in their way? And if you don't know the answers to those two questions, then you're just in the, in a in an exercise of bribing and broadcasting and berating people all day, and that's mm. not that's not the place I want to be. So, so focus on the E's, not on the B's. Is what there I you go. Yes, I do like alliteration. It's true. Uh, so, so E is for empathize, and that's really about listening. And the next E is encourage, which is about involving people. So, so how can we create a better workplace? How can we get better in better outcomes for our customers? How can we do that as opposed to managers going off into a room? solving all the problems and then going out and making people do it. Um, that's as, as we know, not a very effective way to do things. So we listen first, we involve people. Then the third E is educate, which isn't about training necessarily. Uh, it's actually about educating each other. Um, so, so what I feel like is often missing is the conversations that need to happen in an organization to come to an, an agreed, a shared understanding of what we're here to accomplish what we're trying to do, what's important. And that happens through conversations. It's dialogic. It's not, it's not uh, delivered. Um, so empathize, encourage, educate. The fourth E is enable. Give people the tools, the skills, the resources, the knowledge that they need to do what you're asking them to do. And I don't feel like we do a good enough job of this because we don't ask up front, what do you need to be successful um, and what's getting in your way? So that's that, that's that fourth E. Uh, the fifth is empower. So this is if we've given people the tools, then empower is let's make it easy and frictionless for them to do what we've asked them to do, what we hope what we hope they will do. And so often this is about a, a few things. It's about policies and processes that have unintended consequences. 
right? We have some policy that you can only give a customer a $10 credit on their account. And otherwise you have to escalate it to a supervisor that, you know, figuring those things out, examining those policies where you're, where you're creating friction. Then the other place where, the, where you create friction and you can, and you have the opportunity to empower is metrics. So we've already talked a little bit about that, right? But mm-hmm. what are the ways in which your metrics are having unintended consequences? So, all right. So that's empathize, encourage, educate, enable, empower. And the, the sixth discipline is embrace. And this is, this is recognizing, appreciating, letting people know that they're, that they're valued, um, not just for the, for the outcomes, but for their efforts. Um, and I think this is something that, you know, doesn't need to be about, about, uh, formal rewards programs and it doesn't need to be top down either. It can be peer to peer, but it's about this notion of when we see the thing that we value, let's say that. Let's notice that uh, we all want to be valued and appreciated. So those six disciplines, I feel like, are are likely to increase retention. If you're listening, you're involving people, you're having the conversations, you're giving them the tools they need, you're getting things out of their way, and then you're letting them know they're appreciated. So those six things, I feel like, are at least the a path toward creating a better work experience. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, not only that, but you have an amazing garden after that. And and everything will flourish because you're setting the foundation. It it doesn't just start at the the vegetable when you're, and I'm not a, a master gardener either, but you're when not? you're setting the foundation, not yet, tomorrow. Right. Okay, great. Uh, but it's it's the starts at the soil, right? If yeah, you don't have yeah. the right soil, yes. then it, what's going to be cultivated in that soil if it's a bed of rocks or <laughs> just not if it's clay? Yep. Then, uh, and I'm sure there could be other analogies of what rocks and clay are. Uh, it might be starting with an E, and you can figure that out later. <laughs> Thanks, I'll work on that. But it's it's very important because if you don't have that baseline and you're just going through the motions, uh, you know, I think uh, Nate Brown just had a post recently and he was talking about core values. He's like, it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily just putting them up on the wall. It's actually living and breathing them from the top down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And I, and I think the the other thing, the other way in which that garden metaphor is useful is is, yeah, you do some weeding in the garden. But mostly what you're trying to do is is cultivate the beneficial plants that crowd out the weeds. Right? There just mm-hmm. isn't room for the weeds. And I think so often in workplaces, we're, we're, we're 100 percent focused on the weeds. Like, how do we spot what's going wrong? How do we how do we pluck out the, you know, the behavior problem or, or whatever it is um, versus how do we cultivate the good stuff that we want to see and let that crowd out the weeds? Yeah. So the one thing I, I did do last year was tomatoes and okay. tomatoes, from my understanding, uh, and I didn't screw them up too bad, but you can actually, 
it goes off the vine and then there's other ones inside that corner of the between the vine and the main branch that try to grow mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's it's not healthy uh, because mm-hmm, that makes mm-hmm. everything else weaker and mm-hmm. it's not getting the nutrients or the time for these other ones to succeed mm-hmm. and so i think there's mm-hmm. a lot of analogies with what you're talking about of yeah. kind of pruning back before yeah. they get unmanageable yeah yeah well said i like that uh, very cool. Well, uh, I love the love the ease. Uh, I would recommend everybody else kind of taking a pause, going back and listening for those last three or four minutes and absorbing what Eric just said. You know, one question I do have for you, too, is uh, can you force employees to be engaged? <laughs> uh, I mean, can you force them? Uh, let, me, let me think about be that. Be engaged. I mean, can you? No. I mean, if, let's define what we mean by engaged, right? So I think, I think I'm a, I'm a word person. I believe that the words we choose matter and how we define those words matters. Right. So, so when, when I look at employee engagement, I don't look at it as, is the person happy or are they satisfied? Those are outcomes. Uh, Engagement to me is an emotional connection and commitment to what we're here to do together. And that's not something you can force you can't make that happen. It's something that that happens to us in a sense um, that we we form that connection and commitment. Um, and, and I think it, you know, that comes from a lot of places. It comes from it does come from, you know, alignment with values and alignment with purpose. It comes from feeling listened to and valued and involved. Right. Um, yeah. So so I think you can I think you can try. And like I said, you can bribe, you can you can broadcast, you can you can berate people, um, but you cannot make them engage. Yeah. Yeah, it's it kind of goes back to that metric, right, is is what are they forced to do? You see the person at the McDonald's and I don't know if they still do this anymore and not meaning to pick on the, the big M, but when you get that shot clock of saying, oh, you need to have this product out because mm. the the order was already placed and now you have 90 seconds to get this out the door. And so you're again, you're getting right. that flashing red light in their face instead of actually right. being in the moment with that specific customer and saying, I got you. Um, yeah. So let's, we talked yeah, about well, those, customer. Fla- those flashing lights. Yeah. I, I want to just pause on that flashing light idea yeah. for a second. Cause that's, cause I think, you know, the other thing that happens in contact centers is the, is the blaring alarms. And the, you know, and the board that says, here's what our wait times are. And, you know, here's what yeah. our abandonment looks like. And, and all of that stuff, you know, from a, from a physiological standpoint. So you're getting cortisol and adrenaline just pumping mm-hmm. through your veins, which are not the things you really want. If you want people forming connections to other humans, uh, yeah. those are the, those are the fight, flight, freeze kinds of, uh, kinds of moments as opposed to the, you know, connect and, and, uh, and care. Yep. Love it. So we talked about the customer on on the side of the contact center. We talked about the employee side of the contact center and, and the agents yeah. themselves. So let's jump over to the uh, opposite side that most people don't necessarily talk about, but the, the supervisors, the people that are mm. managing the contact center. Yeah. Because the supervisor of the contact center, right, they're also trying to do their job. And we've touched on metrics a little bit. And they want to focus on what metrics they're meshed on. Yeah. But it's... You know, you're, you're drilling down on these metrics, but they you kind of also have a little bit of sympathy for them. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you have that conversation and what do you think about what they're measured on and how do they potentially have those conversations upstream to yeah. to have them focus on that? 
Yeah, it's it's such a good question, and I, and I do and I do fear that sometimes when I talk, I sound like I am I am being critical of the of the bosses, the the, the and and the supervisors, and they are part of the same flawed system. Um, yeah, and so so you know I want them to be listened to. I want them to be involved in in solving the, the, the tough problems. I want them to feel enabled and enabled and empowered to create positive change. Um, and, you know, because, because they are, they are stewards of other people in that, in that context. And um, I, you know, I want them to feel like they have what they need to be successful. And I want, I want them to feel like somebody understands what's getting in their way. And so, um, so I, I don't, I don't ever want to get to the situation where like supervisors are bad. Like that's not the, that's not what it is. It's, it's systemic. And, uh, and I feel like the, the six E's apply to people at all levels of the organization. Yeah. I I love that at the macro. So let's take it one step further and you have the ability to, to be in a room by themselves with the supervisor and you have the ability to talk one-to-one with this person and uh, hear them out and potentially, I guess my question is, is what would you say to that specific supervisor if you had that one-to-one? Yeah. I mean, I I think there's, I think there's, uh, there's, it would be questions. It would not be, it would not be advice, you know? And I think, I think the questions would be, uh, you know, what, what are you here to do? (laughs) Um, What does success look like to you? And then in order to achieve that success, what do you need? And what's getting in your way? I come back to those questions again. uh, If, if we can get to under, come to understand what those supervisors, first of all, do they, do we share a vision of what success looks like and what we're here to do? We have to start there, but then what do they need? And I, and I feel like, uh, you know, I've, I've, and I've done this in organizations, you know, and I've gone in and had these conversations of what do you need to be successful? And I can't tell you the number of times that uh, supervisors and contact center agents say no one has ever asked that. Wow. Right. What they've asked is how can you get customer satisfaction up? Yeah. Right. Right. How can you or get on the, or on the opposite side? Yeah. On the opposite side, they're like, look what I can do for you. Look at all this amazing product and services that I can sell you. And you're like, right. Yeah. Well, you're not actually hearing me out. Right. And you, you, you can't sell me something if you don't know who I am or what my specific pain point is or what my outcomes are I'm trying to achieve. Agreed completely. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I am geeking out about this episode as I do <laughs> most episodes. Um, but one question I got for you. Uh, Eric is more about you now. Uh, so you've done a lot of awesome things, uh, kicking off the year, uh, awesome things in 2022 or 2021, but you coming up on the, we're, we're already, uh, what, geez, coming up on March here. And, um, yeah. would love to hear more about what you're up to in the second half of the year. Oh, thanks for asking, Nick. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the rest of this year, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my first book published. Um, that book is called Stop Engaging Employees. Um, and it's really, it's really lays out the six E's in really practical ways that you can, you can sort of apply, um, and start and start working those disciplines. Um, so that's going to be coming out. I'm excited about that. A uh, whole lot of speaking on this topic of human centricity, um, podcasts like this one, 
uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to. And, and honestly, my favorite thing that I do all day is hundreds of just conversations with people um, that start to put humans at the center of the workplace. Um, and I think, uh, I think that's the way in which I'm sort of trying to cultivate that uh, a world in which human centricity is, is valued um, over money and metrics. I love it. At the end of the day, we're humans doing business with other humans. And uh, the more human centric that we can be, the better. Yeah, agreed. Awesome. Well, I wrap up every single episode with two questions. Yeah. Uh, and the first question is, is what book or person a customer service and or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? So I'll stop there. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I try to read a lot. So I've got books in my mind. Can I do two? Yes, you can do three if you really want to. <laughs> I'll, I'll lay two on you. Um, neither of them is a, is a, customer experience or a customer service book. Uh, the first one I just read while I was on vacation um, is by Amelia Horgan, and it's called Lost in Work. Um, and it's a really insightful, thought-provoking criticism of how work works um, mm. today. And as somebody who deeply believes that work should be more than just another four-letter word, uh, I got a lot out of it. It hit me hard. So... Lost in Work by Amelia Horgan is the first one. And then beyond that, you know, I'm a firm believer in in liberal arts, in 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 being exposed to lots of different ideas. And so I try to read broadly. And uh, uh, there's a, a book that I'm that I'm reading, reading right now um, that's really starting to influence my thinking. It's called Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown. Um, and it's a book about liberation and change and encouraging people to to find the root problems in our communities and also to find deeply rooted solutions to those problems. So um, I often find myself in a position where I'm trying to dominate other people with my beliefs <laughs> and I'm trying to learn from this book uh, to, to come from that place of, of learning and growing instead. Um, so those are my two, two books. I love the, the, you're going back to the garden analogy. We're talking about growing. We're talking about the root cause, yes. uh, no yes. pun intended. So Absolutely I figured, intended. this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, I feel like this is going to be in the book guys. Uh, this is the, the background <laughs> as if Eric's not here right now. Um, <laughs> very cool. So if you could leave yep. a note, here's the second one. If you could leave mm -hmm. a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8am. What would yeah. it say? Three words. You are enough. I, I feel like we don't hear that. We don't hear that enough. We're all, we all feel like we're being asked to improve ourselves and improve our performance. And uh, it's, a, it's a load to carry. And I feel like if we could carry around the, the actual belief that we are enough, that could be really powerful. There it is. You are enough. Remember that. Um, Eric, what is the best way if somebody wants to have you come speak if they want to buy your book and whoever, whenever this comes out, if they yeah. want to connect with you, where do, how do they go about doing that? Thanks for asking, Nick. Yeah, it's ericisle.com. The, the spelling, you know, check the check the uh, show notes, but E-R-Y-C-E-Y-L.com. That's the best place to reach out to me. There's a button on there to schedule time to, to talk. Uh, I also created for your listeners, Nick, a page, uh, ericisle.com slash press one for Nick. Um, where there's a, uh, ebook that I put together called a bigger sense of we, 
which is really a, a meditation on kind of what's possible in the workplace and in the world when we broaden out what we mean when we say we. Um, so I encourage you to go to ericisle.com slash press one for Nick and, uh, and download that ebook. Love it. Thanks so much, Eric. Uh, go to that ebook. I will put that in the show notes as well. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for your time. Uh, keep on gardening. Uh, keep on having an amazing mustache. For anybody who uh, can't see this, I uh, highly recommend uh, connecting with him just for that. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I love it. And uh, best luck to the success of your book. Thanks, Nick. So, thanks so much for everything that you do, man. It's a pleasure. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.